is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, everyone. My name is Chris. And my name is Jason. And this is The Talking Dead number 498, recorded Thursday, September the 24th, 2020. It's not Monday? It's, it still feels like Monday. Oh, yeah. No, it's Thursday. Feels like a Monday. That sucks. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, right now, it's Thursday evening. It's the unofficial start to the weekend, Jason, and it feels like a Monday for you? Uh, Yeah. It's been a weird week, believe me. Well, that's a bummer, but uh, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you survived this long and you're ready to record a podcast. Yeah. It still feels like it's going to be a long week though. No, that's too bad. (laughs) Are you working all weekend or something? No, but tomorrow's going to be a very long week. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of like how 2020 has been a really long decade. Yeah, it really has been a long decade. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that. My, my week hasn't been great, but you know, I don't feel like it's Monday still, so I, I guess I'm ahead of you a little bit. That's good. Yeah. So anyways, thanks for thanks for joining. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. And, you know, hopefully over the course of the next little while while we record, we can make Jason forget about all his problems this week. <sighs> Let's hope. <laughs> Let's hope. All right. Well, I think, everyone, it's going to be a quick podcast tonight. Um, that's just because we're going to talk about a movie. And, uh, we are, and I have one Walking Dead news item before that, but that's it. It's going to be quick and Hmm. dirty this evening. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I've said that before. And then we've ended up recording for like 90 minutes. So I do have a lot to say about this movie. Oh, well then there you go. I didn't know (laughs) that. As you can see, we don't plan ahead much. (laughs) No, we don't. And that's the part of the charm. I hope so. Yes. I hope so very much. I do want to remind everyone, though, that our 500th episode is coming up in two weeks. We will be covering the season 10 finale of The Walking Dead on that episode. But we also are asking for people to send in recordings of their names so that we can use a bunch of them in the opening of the show and include everybody. We want to include, be as inclusive as possible and, you know, just have everyone we can help us introduce the podcast that week. So uh, if you would like to be a part of that, just record yourself saying something like, and my name is Dave, or my name is Jody, whatever it is. And I'm going to pick a bunch of them and use them in the opening of the show. And any that we don't use because, you know, the opening of the show shouldn't go on for 10 minutes. Right. That would be too long. And by pick a bunch of them, you mean pick all of them? Well, it depends on how many there are. Like I said, if there's tons, I'm going to have to randomly pick some, but I'll use them all at the end of the show. Oh, I see. Okay. So on the podcast, whether at the beginning or the end, they'll all be there. They'll all be there. Absolutely. That's right. That's good. Um, So record those. You can go to our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com and, you know, use the send voicemail feature there to do it or just record it into your phone. That usually gets a little bit better quality. So that's a great way to do it. And if you do it that way, email us the audio file, uh, talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. I do have a bunch already, but want as many as we can. So please Mm -hmm. keep sending those in and try to get them in for us by like nine o'clock on October the 4th, which is Sunday, the air date. That way it'll give me enough time to get everything organized, put it together and, you know, play them 
get ready to play them anyway. So nine o'clock on October the 4th would be awesome. Recordings of your names. And uh, it's going to be fun, I think. Fun, fun. Okay, so the movie we're going to be talking about this week on the show is a Canadian film called Pontypool. Pontypool. Never it's, heard of it before we started podcasting about it. Yeah, we hadn't decided uh, last week what we were going to do, so that's a bit of a surprise. Um, it's it's one I've wanted to, well, I have seen before, but it was much closer to when it came out, which was almost 10 years ago, or maybe even more than 10 years ago. So I had a fuzzy memory of it, but I wanted to rewatch it, and I thought it would be fun to discuss on the show this week. But first... Mm-hmm. I do have one Walking Dead news item, so let's do that first. Super. The Walking Dead News. All right, now that I read this uh, headline, I do think this is kind of a a funny news item because my headline is Season 10.5 to begin shooting soon. (laughs) Hmm. And the reason I think that's funny is because it's sort of obvious and uh, maybe not all that newsworthy. Right. This thing is going to be done at some point, and it's going to probably happen soon. Exactly. Um, But it is information. So a guy by the name of Mike Riley, who is the location manager for Stalwart Films, one of the production companies involved in the production of The Walking Dead, he was at a Coweta County Commissioner's meeting, which is the county that The Walking Dead mostly films in, in Georgia. That sounds like a joke. Coweta County Commissioner? Coweta County Commissioner's Commission. (laughs) (laughs) Or committee, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyways, he was at a meeting. They were talking about road closures and filming locations and things like that. And that's public record, right? So Mm -hmm. he revealed during that meeting that filming starts on October the 12th and will run through into late November. So yes, they're going to try to record, I guess, six episodes of the show between the middle of October and late November, I guess six weeks. Nice. Yeah. Well, that'll be, uh, you know, it's a good time of year for things to be bleak. Oh yeah. Fall. Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. I think so. Um, This all depends, of course, on what happens with COVID-19. Yeah. And of course, if things get out of control again and they have to shut down, well, you know, the filming, the movie, TV industry is going to get shut down again, but that's the plan right now, pending, you know, whatever happens. So let's keep our fingers crossed, Jason, that things don't get out of control again and yep. they can continue filming the show. And to be quite frank, let's hope they don't get out of control again for lots of reasons that are more important than filming a TV show. Yeah, dumb TV shows. So keep your fingers crossed, your hands sanitized, and your masks on, and we'll uh, we'll hope for the best. We'll hope for the best. That's great advice, though. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, he also said that uh, season eleven is going to is planned as of now to start shooting in February. Hmm. So that's a little bit earlier in the year than they would normally shoot or start shooting the next season. Usually yeah. what happens is they start in like early May, do the trailer in the summer at Comic-Con, then they premiere in October. But we're moving this year up to February. So we could have more of the show ready to go earlier next year. I don't think that means they're going to start broadcasting it earlier, but you never know. 
Yeah. February is one of my 12 favorite months. It's probably actually in my top 10. Amazing. That's great. It's a good month. It is. It's the weird short month though. It is kind of weird, but you know, everybody's birthday happens in February, except yours. Everybody but mine. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I'm in January, so I'm one better. Pretty close. Well, I don't want better. Yeah. Okay. Maybe better. (laughs) All right. Well, there you go. So, uh, season 10.5 starts October 12th. Season 11 starts in February. And the one other thing he said is that they are going to stay primarily on studio property to film for the next little while, because it's easier to control. It's easier to stay closer to the facilities and just keep everything under control. There's also all kinds of new protocols for shooting and keeping everything sanitized and clean and this and that. So hopefully it's very difficult to keep the outside world clean. It is, I suppose, but you know, I personally blame the squirrels and, and, and raccoons. They leave garbage all over the place. Uh, Raccoons are pretty bad, but uh, I don't know. Squirrels just seem really nasty. They always have modded, molded fur and it's always coming off and they have the mange. Raccoons (laughs) are, they just get fat and wander around and like climb shit and then dig through other shit to get to their shit. And they're very crafty, whereas squirrels are just dumb. They're the meat that grows on trees. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Um, raccoons piss me off more than squirrels, though, because they go on my roof and eat my shingles. <laughs> you got tasty shingles, I guess. I guess so. Well, why, why would they eat shingles? Well, they don't eat them, but they dig around at them and pull them off, and I'm not even sure why. They're looking so, for nuts, those little fuckers. I don't know. Anyways, <laughs> uh, squirrels just stay away from me and throw... throw uh, pine cones off the tree in my backyard. I've got this huge tree in the backyard that grows pine cones and sometimes squirrels climb up there, pick them off and throw them onto the ground and then climb down and pick them up and take them somewhere else. You know, I was in a park in uh, uh, the beaches a number of years ago, probably a couple of decades ago, Q Beach uh, Park. And I was eating, I was sitting on a bench eating my lunch. I was eating a sandwich of some kind, just enjoying a nice spring day. And And I'm sitting there and about five feet away from here, I hear a thud thud and this squirrel it landed on the ground and just got up and ran away and i looked up at the up in the air at the tree the nearest branch straight up was at like two and a half stories up so that squirrel fell two and a half stories went thump on the ground and ran away and i figured if the squirrels are starting to fall out of trees this world is not long for, it's just, I thought the world was going to end in the next 10 minutes. It must be the apocalypse. Squirrels <laughs> yeah. are falling out of trees. <laughs> yeah. Cause that's, that's just not right. Squirrels should not fall out of trees. No, I've seen squirrels do some pretty crazy shit in trees and they don't fall out. No. Man. Yeah. They're nuts. Anyway, right. that was my crazy squirrel story. Well, luckily the world didn't end. Uh, well, but, but you... <laughs> just, just got a long leader, I guess. I suppose. Yeah. We'll see. The world is going to end three decades later, my friend. (laughs) Just you wait. Watch for squirrels in trees, everybody. Watch (laughs) for Watch for squirrels out of trees. Or out of trees. At high velocity. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, that's it. That's the Walking Dead news for you this week, everyone. We're going to move straight into our review of Pontypool. So this is written and directed by a guy named Bruce McDonald. It stars Stephen McHattie. Georgina Riley and Lisa Houle. And the IMDb plot summary is this. A radio host interprets the possible outbreak of a deadly virus, which infects the small Ontario town he is stationed in. 
All right. So the town is called Pontypool. It is a, Pontypool. It's a real town, everybody. I've yep. sort of been there. Uh, I can't say I've ever stopped there, but I've driven through on my way to other places. Well, yes, I feel the same way. I mean, I've been up to 35-115, which is a highway that goes, it's the closest highway to Pontypool. Uh, it's right at where the 35-115 forks off into the 35, which goes through Pontypool, and the 115, which heads on up to Peterborough. That's correct. So uh, the 35-115, I've been up and down that highway many, 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 many times. I've probably been past Pontypool a number of times, maybe two or three, I have no specific memories of ever being there or going through. No, I've never stopped in the town either, but driven through many times. And it's one of the, it's funny, it's one of the reasons that this movie has stayed in the edges of my brain for over a decade now, because occasionally I drive through Pontypool and think, oh yeah, I should rewatch that movie someday. Hmm. Well, I'm, this has been your chance. Yeah, exactly. Now you'll have to make a, a trip to Pontypool. Better hurry before the snow flies. Actually, that's a great idea. We should, we should go up there and, and see what it's like. <laughs> sure. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's a nice little very, town. And I'm sure it's lovely. I'm sure it's absolutely lovely. Well, so that was the description. And essentially, that's, that's the movie. It tells the story of Grant Mazzy, played by Stephen McCaddy. He's a big city radio DJ who is... Um, I don't, I don't know if they really say it in the movie, if he's fired from his job in the city and he's restationed. They did say he was fired. He was fired? I don't know if he was specifically, you know, put here, but he mentioned that that's why I got fired. So oh. he got fired from his big radio, big city radio post, uh, job and had to start working in a nowhere town in, uh, in Ontario. Yeah. Reading the, the weather and the school bus report and stuff <laughs> yeah, like a school bus report out of the basement of a church that's right that's right so he's this guy he's a little bit jaded or bitter because of that you know and he comes into work one day early in the morning it's snowing outside he he gets on the radio he's doing his thing he's not really into it but you know he's a pro and then things start to get weird and they start yeah. getting reports coming in from the town that there's been some sort of riot people are acting violently um there may be some deaths and the the story stays inside this church basement where the radio program is being broadcast from and everything we learn about the outside world is from the perspective of the folks that are in this studio or yep. people who arrive at the studio Right. Okay. So let's take a quick step back here for a second. Sure. Being a Canadian movie set in a Canadian town uh, of Pontypool, you know, every time I see a Canadian movie or uh, watch a Canadian television show, I'm I'm thinking, I wonder how many degrees of separation it takes before, like, how do I know these people and how many degrees apart or away from them do I know them? Sure. So I did, so I did a bit of this. Uh, and the three top billed actors, Stephen McHattie, Lisa Houle, and Georgina Riley. Uh, so Stephen McHattie, he was on Cold Squad for a long time. Cool. And yep. you know Cold Squad because we know uh, Julie Stewart. Personally, I played in a band with her who was the star of Cold Squad for its entire run. So Stephen McHattie was on there as a, as a principal actor for a long time. Uh, so that's an easy one. That one's the, uh, you know, just a couple of degrees of separation. Right. I worked with Julie's husband for a long time. 
That's right. Yeah. That's right. So Lisa Houle, she was on Flashpoint, mm-hmm. TV show, Canadian television show starring Hugh Dillon. And Hugh Dillon was the lead singer of Headstones. Oh, yeah. Remember Headstones? I they do. were a maple music uh, act. And you and I both, I think, were at the uh, their CD launch party uh, where was, the place was just absolutely packed. Many, and we, we did, did their website. Many, many years ago when you and I worked at a company called Maple Music. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, uh, that's our, uh, so Lisa Hool to Hugh Dillon to us, okay. essentially. All so right. that's the second one. Yeah. The third one is to me and not to you. So Georgina Riley, she was, uh, she was a principal on Murdoch Mysteries, another uh, Canadian television show. And she was in, specifically, she was in an episode of Murdoch Mysteries called Murdoch of the Living Dead, oh. uh, which was uh, season six, episode five. And also in that episode was an actress by the name of Monica Daughter. And Monica Daughter, I went to high school with. So, uh, so we graduated high school together. She moved down. Uh, she's, you know, been a Canadian working actress, but she's also married to Ryan Holliman, who is, um, he's also a Canadian actor, but a little more prominent. He's been in a lot more stuff, including X-Men Apocalypse. He played a small role in X-Men Apocalypse, the, the, uh, the father of, uh, Scott. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Scott Summers, the guy with the eyes, blazing eyes. Yep. So he played their father. And so she, he's also, that's not really part of the six degrees of separation, but he's uh, also an actor. So these two, these two people are actors. And I, I, you know, met him many times. Wow. And know Monica from high school. So those are my, you like to say that, you know, Canada's not that small, but when you have a movie in the top build actors, there's at least, you know, one, maybe two degrees of separation between uh, you and me and all of the principal actors, Canada seems awfully small. It does feel that way. That's right. I mean, that's, that's pretty close. You know, uh, I, I think all three of those actors were in Murdoch Mysteries at one time or oh, other. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It, uh, it's like, um, uh, it's like Harry Potter and British actors. Oh. If you're, if you're a British actor, there's a good chance you were in Harry Potter Yeah, that's or right. on Doctor Who, right? Oh, even more uh, so Harry Potter these days. Yeah. yeah. Or, uh, Game of Thrones even. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right? Maybe that. So, but if, yeah, if you're a Canadian actor, there's a good chance you were on Murdoch Mysteries. <laughs> All right. Well, so you're going to call up your high school friend and get us in touch with, is it, who well, was it, Georgina or Lisa? Georgina Riley. Okay. You know, high school friend, you know, specifically, I went to high school with her. Ah. Like, I've been to parties with her. Like, she's friends of, uh, you know, Kathy and Scott and... Uh, all that group of people. Yep. She's, she's one of the five. So Kathy and Jackie and Monica, and, uh, there's a, there's, there's a group of five girls that I went to high school with that are, have always been very tight and she's one of the five. So she's been a lot of the, to a lot of the parties that I've been to, you know, and I've talked to her a few times and stuff, but I wouldn't say friends. I wouldn't be able to track down a phone number. I might be able to, but I'd have to go to Kathy and say, Kathy, Hey, it's been a long time. Do you have Monica's phone number. Why? Well, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, well, there you go, everyone. That's a list of Jason's high school friends. There you go. Good Fun friends. Times. Back to the movie. So, yeah. that's that's the movie. Um, I feel like this movie had really three very distinct acts, which is I know something movies have, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a fairly large difference between the three of them. Uh, or at least two of them, and then the third one. Yeah. Um, now, that's not to say I think any of them were bad. 
because I do really like this movie or at least really like a lot of it. I, f- I feel this, I feel the same way. I think, uh, for me, I was amazed at, at the end of the first act. Uh, I was amazed. I was floored at how emotionally I invested. I was in this movie. I'm like, Oh my God, I've, it's been, you know, decades since I've been this emotionally invested in a movie. And the, the story of one of the guys that called in the helicopter guy that called in mm-hmm. who, <laughs> who drove uh, what a Pinto. Well, he's, he's uh, their helicopter eye in the sky, like traffic reporter, right? Yeah. Driving a car and pretending to be in a helicopter, but which is very Lesman, Nesman kind of thing to do. Yeah. It's very small town, Ontario. They don't have a helicopter. They just pretend <laughs> they have a helicopter, right? Yeah. But when he, when he called in and was describing what was going on, I was riveted. Yeah. Like it was absolutely amazing. He did a great job and he phones in a couple of times, right? And each call, maybe three times, actually, each time they speak to him, it's the, the situation is escalated and yeah. his own personal situation has gotten worse, <laughs> right? Yeah. And you could say in a way escalated too, but yeah, he was really great, but that's part of the, that's one of the amazing things about the first two acts of this film in that we stay a hundred percent inside the radio studio and we're only privy to what the folks in the studio know. And so the information is coming in in bits and pieces. Some people do show up right before things mm-hmm. really get out of hand. They have a, they have a preset interview with this group of singers, which was really weird, but they come, yeah. uh, and then eventually somebody else shows up who we'll talk about, but the information we get just seeps in over the phone lines and a little bit over other, from other news reports. Um, like the BBC. Yeah. At one point the guy from the BBC calls in, that's a whole conversation. That's, uh, really hilarious to Canadians, uh, for various reasons, (laughs) but, but, but that's what I loved about it. And the helicopter guy or the, you know, the eye in the sky driving a Chevy guy, (laughs) Yeah. is is one of the most fascinating because he sees it firsthand he he basically reports on the the initial what they think is a riot right mm-hmm. and it's amazing you're absolutely right it was really amazing but that whole idea is what really kicks this movie off and i think for the first two acts for the first two thirds of the movie really really makes it a solid tense thriller at that point Absolutely. Absolutely. It was, and like I say, I was, I was floored at how, uh, invested I was in this story mm-hmm. just because it's, it's all audio. And I kind of, kind of, I guess in my heart of hearts, this is what I was hoping would happen with podcasts. And I'm sure there's radio play podcasts out there, but we used to have awesome radio plays right before television. Uh, you know, radio stations would do dramas or comedies, or they, you know, actually have these radio plays that they would do. And I don't know of any podcast radio play, uh, or radio play podcast podcast, but if anybody knows, let me know, cause I'd love to check them out, uh, to, to have stories like this told, uh, just in the audio format without any visuals. I think that would be, I love podcasts and books on tape or you know, audio books are called nowadays, but, uh, I think that, uh, a, a radio play podcast would be right up my alley. Well, there's lots of them out there. Um, good one that, 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 uh, listeners 
recommend to me all the time, and then I have listened to a little bit of, is We're Alive. It's, uh, the actual title is We're Alive, A Story of Survival, and it's an audio drama in a zombie apocalypse. So that one is out there. I've, I've listened to the first handful of episodes. Um, for some reason, though, I must admit it's never really grabbed me, which is why I haven't gone any further on it, because I've actually started it a couple of times because people keep right. telling me, you've got to listen to this. Um, so that's one. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still going, like if they're still making new episodes, but there are plenty of others out there, too. So uh, okay. I'm sure I, people I should... will send in some recommendations. I say that I wish the, there would there was podcasts like this, knowing full well that there are, are podcasts like this, and I've never done a coherent search <laughs> to find them. So uh, it's my failing, yes, uh, but I think this is uh, the radio player, the audio only play is a fantastic medium, mm-hmm. and this movie kind of leaned into that because it's you know all we get is these three people in a basement, uh, you know, talking to the outside world. And it was amazing. Yeah, agreed. I think it was really, really amazing. The The third act of the film, I think, kind of falls off a little bit, loses yeah. its way a bit, but not and entirely. Then it goes off the rails. <laughs> it goes off the rails a little, but, but I don't want to say entirely because it certainly didn't like ruin the film for me. I still enjoyed it, but it turns into a slightly more standard kind of survive the zombie apocalypse film where characters are trapped in a location and the zombies are outside. And and in fact, at some, at one point they get inside, right? So they even have to, you know, survive in that situation. But they, so we're spoiling this, right? Oh yeah, we always do. (laughs) Okay. So just a a word of warning. I'm, uh, you know, we talked in generality so far, uh, but specifically, uh, you know, they, the zombies get in or the, uh, the end, un- they're not really undead. They're just, they're infected. Right? In this case, they are infected. Yeah. I wouldn't call them undead zombies. That's right. Yeah. So the infected get in, uh, but the nice thing about that, what, uh, what I really liked was that they take refuge in the sound booth and they take refuge in the sound booth and that works because the, uh, the infected are infected by sound. They're infected specifically by the English language or parts of the English language. Yeah, they, well, I mean, they're not infected by sound. It's transmitted through language and through sound. But the actual infection, if I'm not mistaken, is your human brain's understanding of certain words, right? Yeah, this is where it goes off the rails for me because I didn't quite understand uh, how the infection or (laughs) the cure worked specifically. And I understand the idea of being infected by, uh, language, right? You've read Snow Crash. I've, I've read half of Snow Crash. Okay. You, are you familiar with the concept in in Snow Crash of a Namshub? Uh, it sounds familiar. Yes. So a Namshub is a, uh, a program an English language or sorry, a language based program that uh, people spread from one person to another, or even an infection. It's the spreading of ideas, mm-hmm. right? If I, uh, if I come up with an idea and I tell you about it, I've now infected you with that idea. Right. And that, uh, and I can pass on programming that way. Like if, if my idea is how to uh, grow a better garden, I've now spread 
this infection of this idea on how to grow vegetables more effectively. Uh, and then you spread that to somebody else. And that whole idea just kind of grows and infects the entire, uh, you know, all of humanity at one point. It's a good thing because growing better gardens is a good thing. But those ideas have built over the centuries that we've passed on these uh, these tiny little, you know, programs from mind to mind using language and using this infection. Uh, and this idea has spread. And then in the book Snow Crash, which is a fantastic book, the first chapter of Snow Crash, I reread that chapter every once in a while. It's about this pizza delivery guy who's delivering pizza for the Cosa Nostra Pizza Pizza Delivery Company, which is basically the mob delivering pizzas. And it's absolutely amazing. The first chapter is phenomenal. But there's a concept of this Namshub taking on, uh, you know, going into the 22nd century or what have you, where you can actually use this... uh, this way of passing information from one person to another to crash somebody's brain, Ooh. right? To actually uh, just crash the whole thing. So right. it's not just an infection of, a, it's not like a computer virus infection. It's not like a typical human uh, virus that you get infected with. It's actually an idea that infects your mind and is actually capable of crashing it. So that idea is very prevalent in this movie where. This idea of a namshub, this uh, information is passed from one person to another, and that infects them to the point where they have now have this virus, this mental virus passed on by an idea or an understanding that basically is not a good idea. It just makes you do bad things, mm-hmm. like smash your head into the glass until you die. Right. So first of all, the book Snow Crash appears in this film. It does. It does. And I missed it? You missed it. Snow Crash is sitting on one of the audio consoles or the ledge by the audio console outside the sound booth. So Okay. So that was intentional then. Clearly there is a influence there. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Um, but but yeah, that's that's essentially what's happening in this film. So the way they describe it is the 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 act of understanding certain words causes the virus to take hold and turn you into whatever it turns you into, right? They're essentially zombies, but I don't think they're technically dead. And they explain in the movie that it seems to be things like terms of endearment, or they even say like sort of baby talk gibberish type stuff. Those are particularly dangerous for passing this infection into other people. Um, so as soon as you call someone honey or baby or sweet cheeks, like that's gonna, that's gonna infect them and pass it on to them. Right. And, you know, I tried to think about what are they trying to say here with that kind of thing? Like these are fairly frivolous uses of language when you think about it, um, in, in many ways. And I wonder if the movie was sort of trying to say, the, this type of speech or these words are, are bastardizing the language a little bit and there's no point to them and so they're useless and they're just an infection in your mind when you could be filling your brain with, you know, knowledge and important facts and things like that. I don't know, but... Could be. It, I, I, it sort of occurred to me as one thing they were trying to get at here. Um, I, I went with the snow crash idea where... Um, these namshubs, these ideas are spread 
And once somebody's infected, you cannot cure them, right? Once somebody has received an idea from somebody else, you can't get rid of that idea. I mean, people have been trying for centuries re-education plans or, you know, brainwashing or whatever method they use to try and suppress ideas. Yeah. You can't suppress ideas. Once you're infected with an idea, you cannot be cured. No. And so that I that that concept of uh spreading knowledge or spreading ideas is uh is one way. You can't you can't back you can't unring a bell. You can't uh, put the toothpaste back in the tube. You can put it in a new tube, but you can't put it back in the original tube. Right. Oh, I suppose you could, but <laughs> I'm sure there's YouTube videos on how to get toothpaste back in the tube. Oh, probably. But there's no YouTube videos on how to unring a bell. No, <laughs> so, there are not. Um, uh, so I thought that the if they if their if the concept in this movie was a statement of uh, ideas or ideological information passing from one person to another, uh, if that was their plan, it was pure, poorly executed. So it's so badly that I think that probably wasn't their plan. Well, I don't know. I'm just saying that the the fact that it was this sort of lowbrow. I mean, I don't want to call it lowbrow, but like useless. Baby talk baby talk, useless version of English that was the most infective, infective? I think maybe you're bringing a lot of you to this idea. Well. Because I, I don't really think that, uh, you know, using, uh, okay, I'm a big, I'm, I hate baby talk. We never spoke baby talk to Jasper. Right. The most baby talk we ever uh, said to him was that we've named the squirrels all the squirrels outside are all black squirrels in our back deck, and they're all named Squippy. <laughs> sure. Right? It's perfect and I think it was probably him that named them Squippy, but that's the only, that's the closest we've ever come to baby talk was changing squirrel to Squippy as a pronoun. I mean, uh, that's, or uh, that's, a proper noun of their names. That's hardly baby talk, though, you know? I mean, I don't even want to do it here at, at risk of infecting you, but giving a squirrel <laughs> yeah. a name is, is one thing. But, you know, diminutizing... Is that a word? Diminutizing, like lowering, taking something down, you know, yeah. words. That's the kind of thing, right? Or what Seinfeld did. No, you're or Seinfeld did. You're Smoopy. No, oh. you're Smoopy. No, you're Smoopy. It's so infuriating. That's a, that's a good example of it, right? And it's infuriating to some people and not to others. But I could see an author sitting down or, you know, because this was a book too, actually, um, uh, going like, you know, I spend all of my time writing literature and meanwhile right. people are walking around going, you're schmoopy and you're schmoopy, right? <laughs> so I, I can just, I just sort of felt that watching this, but taking that on, the movie takes the next step in that they, they kind of find a way to cure it because, yeah. because, um, Lisa Hool, the producer she becomes infected at one point because she wants to phone her children who are back in the city with their father. She talks to them for a while and there's all kinds of terms of endearment going on there and like baby talk type stuff. And so I, and she becomes infected after talking to her, her kids and maybe her husband. Um, but you know, Grant and her are locked in a room while the zombies are outside and she starts to lose it. She starts to repeat words. She shows the signs of being infected. They know these signs because, you know, the other woman, the Georgina Riley character, became infected and actually turned into a bloodthirsty monster and smashed her yeah. head into the glass over and over again. That and Exposition Man came in 
and uh, explained everything to them. <laughs> okay, so yeah, we should mention Exposition Man. He is, he came, he, he climbs in a window at one point, yeah. and he was, uh, so the original riot that they thought was a riot was at a doctor's office, and he was the doctor who owned that office. So somehow yeah. he escaped and uh-huh. ran to the radio station, uh-huh. let himself in, and then sat down and explained everything to them. <laughs> Yeah, he was funny. <laughs> it was really, it was, it seemed very lazy as far as writing goes to have this guy show up out of nowhere, have all the information. I mean, he was entertaining in that, oh, see, this is the part that's going to happen now. She's, uh, this is interesting. She doesn't have any uh, language input. So well, let's see how she's going to react. And she starts smashing her head against the screen and then vomits all her blood up and, you know, drops dead instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and he's explaining all of this and saying it's always very interesting. It was, he was he was entertaining, but he was, uh, I think it was a lazy way to get the information across. Yeah. It, it would have been way more fascinating if, if somehow this, inf- if somehow they deduced some of this information from, again, from the outside world and, and the calls and the news reports that they were hearing. But yeah. I mean, the, one of the freakiest parts was when uh, he was trying to leave, when Grant Mazzy was trying to leave the building and then uh, uh, Lisa Hool, she said, come back, no, I need you, right? Mm-hmm. And then all the other people are showing up and they're repeating all their words back to them. It's like, come back, I need you. Come back, I need you. It's like, what the fuck? This is, this is freaky. Yeah. It was very freaky. I didn't have any idea what was going on. And then we had earlier the, uh, the French Canadian uh, information that, that got cut they over, overtook the radio signal and uh, broadcast a, a message in French, uh, which I don't speak French. I was dearly hoping it's a Canadian movie, right? They there's they're probably well within their uh, realm of possibility that they would do no translation. But I needed it. Well, you know I what? I was I thought the French that they did include in this movie was included so well. And written so well that even us non-French English speakers, but since we grew up in Canada, we know a little bit of French. We all do, right? Yeah, petit peu, he even said that, or yeah, he even said that at one point. Exactly. I thought it was included so well that you you knew what it was just because there's a little bit of French floating around in the back of your mind. Or, and also you can just kind of figure it out from the context, right? Because I never felt like I missed anything because I didn't understand the French. I thought they did a great job using just a little bit that, um, that we could all understand. But the other thing about the French is when that message comes in, that's one of the best moments in the movie, in my opinion, (laughs) when they get this French message, they don't really understand it. But, um, uh, Georgina, God, I can't remember her character's name. Laurel Ann. Laurel Ann. Yeah, that's right. So she translates it sort of live to Grant who's on the air and he's reading the English and, and that message explains a little bit what's going on. And the last line of the message is do not translate this message to English. (laughs) And he reads that out. That's like a, (laughs) Oh shit moment. He just said everything that they're, they're not supposed to say. (laughs) Yeah. On the air. I, yeah, that kind of thing was the like, world or the town. What the hell is going on? Like it was, uh, like I knew going in that this was going to be a zombie movie based on a radio station, right? Like just from the pictures of it, you can see. Yeah, uh, I knew what what I was getting into, but the fact that you know this this French translation or French comes in and it gets translated into English, and I'm like, 
avoid baby talk or terms of endearment. Uh, the English language is, uh, don't, don't use the English language. Do not translate this message. Mm-hmm. What the, and then all these, and then he tries to leave and these people are all repeating things. And that harkens back to the girl that was one of the singers that started just repeating things over and over. And, uh, this is why I was, my mind was like locked in because it's like, I have no idea what's going on, Yep. but it's amazing that it's going on. <laughs> and then. Uh, and then Sydney gets infected because she's talking to her, uh, your family back in the city. And then they'd start talking about kill, kill means kiss, kill means kiss. And then all of a sudden she's cured. I'm like, what the hell is going on? So Chris, I need your help. Okay. So the, the idea here is that you, you, your understanding of the words is what infects you, right? The fact that you know these things, and this sort of goes into my theory about, you know, this is a bastardization of the language and the people that partake in it and understand it are the ones that are worst off. But so she's become infected. And so what Grant is trying to do in that room where they're locked is to kind of confuse her mind and confuse her understanding. It reminded me of that phenomenon when you say the same word too many times over and over again, it starts to sound funny to you. Yeah, You actually lose a little bit of understanding of the word in the moment, right? And so her word, which isn't a term of endearment, but the word that infected her was kill for some reason. And so he was- I I don't know. He was- You you can't really judge people's family lives. No, that's true. That's true. Fair. He was trying to replace the word kill in her mind with kiss. And so they were over and over again, kill is kiss, kill is kiss, kill is kiss. And even just saying it three times like that, it starts to sound funny to you, right? And so what, that was the idea that you could sort of cure this infection by confusing your brain into misunderstanding the word, right? And so that's what he did and he managed to do it. Now I agree with you. It's a little weird and it's, it felt a little too easy maybe because it's pretty difficult to un-understand something that you do understand. Uh, I mean, it's happened. I guess, right? I guess so. Yeah. You, it, it you go into happened. a meeting to discuss something you had in three meetings ago and you have no memory of what that meeting was about. It's like, oh, remind me what the hell's going on here. I think that like, just means you forgot. <laughs> I, no, I did forget. And I understood something like last Friday when we had an hour and a half meeting on, on describing exactly what it was. And then today I had a meeting that talked about that meeting and I had no memory of it. Well, I had a memory that we had the meeting, but I don't remember what the process was or the specifics involved. Yeah. Thank God they recorded the meeting. I'm going to go back and watch it tomorrow. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Helps to record anyway, meetings. Anyways, so that's, un, that's why un- I think- understanding something is technically possible, but you have to have a bad short-term memory. Well, that's what was going on here. They They were trying to just kind of push the infected word out of her brain by- by replacing it with another word that's similar, that's not infected. So, you know, it's, it, yeah, it's a little funny that they could just sort of cure it, but one, it's one of the very few times there's in a zombie film where there is an actual cure for the zombieism that's not chopping off a limb or something like that, right? You know what would have made more sense? Chop off her tongue? Marijuana. Oh. Everybody gets high and all of a sudden the infection goes away. Because oh, yeah. their lack of understanding of anything. <laughs> that's an interesting I mean, that's story. not really what mar- marijuana does, but, you know, it would have been funnier. It definitely would have been funnier, but we didn't need funny in this movie, I don't think. But 
Mm. Anyways, that's how they cure it. So he managed to cure her and, uh, you know, and the movie goes from there. But despite those few little things about it that I thought were a little off, overall, I think this is a really good movie and a, and a fun take on sort of a zombie infection, you know? Absolutely. I thought overall it was great. How did you notice that Snow Crash was in there? Did you just happen to see it? I just happened to see it. And um, yeah, I just noticed it. And because I've read the first, well, I've read the first half or so of the book. uh, And you're right. The first chapter is amazing. So I remember it. I may have read it because you told me the first chapter is amazing. Yeah. There's somebody else that told me the same thing though, I think. Anyways, I, I just happened to notice it. Yeah. So I'm really, really glad you brought that up because I didn't really remember the or put two and two together with that connection. Well, it doesn't like that whole Namshub thing doesn't come out and doesn't get explained until like the last part of the book. Right. So like, it's a whole, uh, you know, you know, it's a typical, it's a typical arc, right? The first chapter sets the scene of the world that they're in, in an incredibly amazing and funny way. Uh, but it, it sets everything up. It kind of explains, uh, this world that they're in where technology is, is rampant and uh, society is really fucked and everything is cookie cutter, right? All the, uh, all, all the different neighborhoods are all exactly the same. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you're in. You know exactly where you are because they're all the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it sets all that up. It sets up the main character whose name is literally hero protagonist, <laughs> yeah, which right. is fucking funny. <laughs> Uh, it sets everything up. It does exactly what the first chapter does, gets you interested in the book. And then you read the whole, the rest of the book and then sets up an idea, uh, for the, for the end game. Right. Yeah. So very, you know, kind of, uh, you know, ironically it is cookie cutter. The book is also cookie cutter, but it's done in such a good way. It's a very good read. I would highly recommend this novel. I could, I should probably give it another chance. Sure. Before we wrap up here though. Jason, please tell me you watched all the way through the credits of Pontypool. Oh yeah, because they were talking about stuff. So yeah, it was, uh, no, I was on board. Okay, so there's a post-credit scene in this film. First of all, the credits are cool because instead of music over the end credits, you hear other news reports that kind of explain, uh, well, it kind of tells you that that this has spread out and is now all over the world, right? So it's, it truly is a worldwide zombie language apocalypse. Um, but then after the credits are done, we get this really strange final scene at the end and it really didn't make any sense to me at first. So I went to the internet looking for some information on what's the deal with the post credit scene in Pontypool. And I came across a thread here on movies.stackexchange.com where someone asks this very question. And I'm going to read a couple of the answers here because I think both of them are fascinating takes on what's going on at the end of this film or the post credit scene. Okay. So the question is, after the credits, the scene shifts to a radically different view, a stylized black and white version of Grant and Sydney in what looks like a far eastern atmosphere. As Grant describes his plan to get out of here, the picture gradually shifts into color. That's basically what it is. There's, there's dialogue. It's mostly Grant talking. It's strange, unusual dialogue, which should have tipped me off, I think, considering this movie's about language. But um, the first answer here comes from a user called Ben, and he says, There is no connection. It is a complete non sequitur. It makes zero sense. 
but that's the point, get it? It's supposed to inoculate the viewer against any possible mimetic infection they got from watching the film. <laughs> mimetic, mimetic the word. or me- memetic? I think it's yeah. mimetic. It's meme theory, right? It's that, that's also very much this uh, infection of ideas. Yeah, where you have a meme that just kind of goes viral, right? There's that word again on an idea that is related to something that is a virus. Yeah, I mean it's, it's all baked into our society now. Well, uh, sorry. Yes, but I, I absolutely agree that that uh, it was late last night that I watched this, and I was super tired yesterday. <laughs> So I forgot about that until uh, the post credit scene until I think it just washed over me. Right. <laughs> I didn't understand it. And I didn't understand part of the last ha- uh, third of the movie. So I, I was like, what? I oh, forget it. I'm going to sleep. Right. And then wiped the memory. Sure. Well, it, it's a weird scene, but I think uh, that, so the question here on movies that Stack Exchange was asked by Galactic Ninja. <laughs> Great name. Of course. And that first answer came from a user called Ben just to give credit where credit's due. But I think that's a cool sort of almost a fourth wall breaking moment, right? Where his theory is that they're kind of talking to the the audience in this really highly stylized way with unusual words in an unusual setting to sort of clear our infection that we've received from watching the movie. That's kind of fun. Right. Uh, but there's another answer here from RB site and it's a little bit longer and This user says, my theory is it's a direct epilogue. Assuming the virus is widespread, or at least still a threat, Sidney and Grant survive in what could be called the language apocalypse by maintaining a kind of improvisational role play. This allows them to express ideas in a free flow that inhibits deeper understanding and prevents them from infecting each other. However, the efficacy of this role play is limited as shown in the shift from black and white to color, or fantasy to reality, or safety to danger. The fake conversation bleeds into a real one the longer it stays on topic. Uh, Let's get out of here is on topic, but followed by abstract, noirish improvisation, until it gains too much context, becomes understandable and dangerous, represented by color bleeding into the scene. I also think that's an amazing theory, to be honest with you. And it's much more in the universe of the movie too, right? They've somehow survived They're They've, and they've reinvented a way of speaking. So they won't infect each other or suppose other people that they still encounter. They could have just learned another language, (laughs) but yes, I absolutely agree. That's an, that's an amazing, uh, description and analysis of, uh, that post-credit scene. And it makes a lot of sense. Uh, yeah, exactly. I, I really liked it. So I appreciated those two, uh, those two takes on it. So, and, and a scene that I thought was really unusual and weird and kind of unnecessary at the end turned into something that I think is really an important sort of final point on the movie for me. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else about uh, Pontypool before we call it a night? No, but watch it. If you haven't seen it, find it, watch it. Agreed. Agreed. Go check it out. All right. Um, that is it for episode number 498, Jason. We have two more to go before 500. Mm-hmm. So don't forget to get those name recordings in if you can, if you want to. Um, but that's not for a couple of weeks. Next week, we're going to be reviewing another film, but this one has a connection to The Walking Dead so we can 
we can swing our way back into real Walking Dead coverage here. Uh, that is going to be The Boy from 2016, starring Lauren Cohan. Cool. Yeah. In honor of Lauren Cohan returning to The Walking Dead, we're going to watch one of her films and talk about it. So I'm looking forward yeah. to that. And from the description that I, uh, I've seen so far, I don't know much about this movie. I didn't know about it until, uh, until today when we first des- described it. But uh, <laughs> I think Lauren Cohen is playing the only American in the movie, which is funny. Because <laughs> why not just make everybody British and let her use her own friggin' accent? Yeah, well, what are you going to do? <laughs> she She's only, I think, half British. <laughs> well, yeah, but uh, or, or, it just it's it seems kind of odd. I, I'm I'm fine with her using an American accent. Uh, I think she will do a good job, but I just I wonder why, and I wonder if it informs the plot at all. I don't know, but the the thing you've watched her in the most, which is The Walking Dead, she does an American accent. I, no, I'm aware. Okay, <laughs> I just I think it's funny that it, that from the description, it's an American nanny uh, for a British family. Right. For an English family. Right. I just think that's, you know, why, why do that? Like, I understand. Uh, it's just, it seems a little confusing to me and a little, uh, I, I don't quite, I do understand, but I don't understand. Well, you know, you know what? We're going to watch the movie over the next six days and maybe it will become clear to you. And then we're going to talk about it next week on the podcast. Yeah. As, uh, I forget where I heard this, but, uh, as a great saying that I once heard goes, all will become clear in the fullness of time. Yeah. You know what? My dad used to say that to me all the time. And he was on the radio. And he was on the radio. Exactly. See, ideas, they spread, my friend. Oh my gosh, it's true. You're infected. I totally am. All right. So that's next time on the podcast. That's The Boy from 2016 starring Lauren Cohan. I suggest you check it out and send in some thoughts if you'd like. And uh, we'll get them on the show if we can. Super. Other than that, though, if you want to help support the show, you can do so by visiting our Patreon page at patreon.com slash thetalkingdead, where you can become a patron, which means you give a small monthly pledge and everything collected goes into the costs associated with putting on the podcast. Uh, If that's not your thing, though, you can always make a one-time contribution at talkingdeadpodcast.com slash paypal. And of course, we appreciate everyone who listens and everyone who decides to contribute. You're all the best. All right? Everyone's the best, Jason. They are the best. Totally Every the single best. person is the absolute best. That's true. <laughs> Except for one or two I can think of. That guy, Doug. No. <laughs> that guy, what guy? That guy, Doug. <laughs> oh, yeah, Doug. All right. Uh, anyways, those are how you can uh, you can help out. Thank you so much to everyone. You can get in touch with us by visiting our website, talkingdeadpodcast.com, clicking on send voicemail at the top and recording a message that will come right to me. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the talking dead or send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail.com. All right. Thank you so much once again, everyone. Until next time when we talk about the boy starring Lauren Cohan. My name is Chris. My name is Jason. Thanks for listening. Ciao.